Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show that focuses on people and organizations making a big difference in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, and joining us right now is the CEO of Skate Wealthy. Dean Borneo. How you doing, Dean? Man, today I am phenomenal. I feel <laughs> joyful, ecstatic, and I am ready to change the world. <laughs> that is fantastic. I, I had the pleasure of meeting you a few weeks ago, and I was really excited to talk to you and have you on the show because you're doing something completely different, but it's so state-of-the-art, it's so current, it's so tech-savvy, so social media, and this is also about skateboarding. Can you talk about Skate Wealthy and what this nonprofit's all about? Yes, absolutely. So um, Skate Wealthy, actually, I guess I have to take you back to the beginning. Um, growing up, I really liked watching like Tony Hawk, and I played all the video games. And in fourth grade, my mom actually got me a skateboard. She got me a little fish one from Walmart. <laughs> and uh, it was just fun, you know. So I would ride on that in our apartment. Uh, we grew up in Arlington, Texas, and one day I was going down this hill in our apartment. Well, I didn't do it well. I fell, and I landed on my face, and I lost almost all the skin on my face. Oh, it man. It was rough. I had to go to school the next day. I had Vaseline all over my face. It looked like someone was just, like, taking patches of skin off my face. Like, everyone gave me a horrendous look. But uh, that healed up, so that stopped me from skateboarding, and then... Fast forward a couple years later, um, I was this was in eighth grade. I was walking home from basketball practice uh, in the same apartment, and I see my buddy Clay out there skateboarding. And um, I was like, man, I used to skateboard. I used to know how to kick, so let me try to do a kickflip. And so I thought it was going to take five minutes. ended up being three hours, and then I had to leave because my mom called me five for dinner. And I was like, man, I didn't land that. And so the next day, I'm like, all right, I'm definitely going to do this. And so I tried it, you know, Ten minutes turns into an hour. Turns, same thing happens. Finally, on the third day, even after like two hours, I finally landed. And uh, just to be like, I'm competitive. And I was like, you know what? I did not just put in three days of work to land this one trick to stop. And so I just decided to keep going from there. And um, it's been a beautiful journey. I've kind of like the beginning. So that's how you started skateboarding. A lot of people love to skateboard. And there's all kind of skateboard parks all over Dallas, Fort Worth, and all over the country. And you mentioned Tony Hawk. He's just a legend. He's bigger than the sport itself. With that being said, when did you come up with the idea of Skate Wealthy? And tell me how long you've been doing that. 
um, that's another story. So I have to kind of take you back to the beginning. Um, sure. When I was 16, my mom passed away, and um, we were very poor. And so there was no, like, insurance. Uh, we didn't have anything to do for her. I mean, we were just kind of stuck. And so um, what ended up happening is that Alliance Skate Park, man, I have to give a huge shout-out to Mark Lowey, the owner, and uh, Victor over at Alliance. Those guys run a phenomenal program. Uh, they've done something that I've never seen them do before, and I don't think they've done it ever since. But they actually threw an event called Help Us Help Dean. And that one event, man, the community came out. My friends from school, skaters, people who just heard the story and just want to support. And it can almost make me tear up right now because, you know, they were able to help us send our mom back to Kenya. You know, I was, we're Kenyan-American. Both of our parents are from Nairobi. And uh, that was the first time I really felt the impact of community. And I'd say that's where the birth of, like, my passion and love, even though I've been skateboarding for probably, like, three to four years at that point, really came from. And so um, what happened next is, uh, <laughs> you know, just a season of adversity. Um, fast forward a few more years later. I actually, so this is a cool story, but um, you're speaking about the skate park. Uh, my friends and I, we actually got to participate and there were some of the founding members of CRI, which is Cody Rocamontes Incorporated. Uh, so Cody, you know, my best friend, Ricky, man, I love Ricky to death. Uh, Cody was one of his best friends and he got, by hit, he got hit by a car and died. We'd been telling the city of Arlington that we need a skate park built, skateboarding is growing, we don't have anywhere safe to skate. And they ignored us. The challenge on our end is that we're 13, 14, 15. Maybe some of us are 16. It's illegal to skate in front of businesses. We're getting tickets. We can't even get a job. So it doesn't make any sense. But um, once Cody died, unfortunately, um, it put the spotlight back on the situation. So his parents stepped up. Lori Rowe stepped up. And uh, they founded Cody Rockamontes Incorporated, which mission was to get a public skate park built in Arlington mm -hmm. uh, for free. And so the city of Arlington basically told us, raise $10,000, we'll match it, and we'll build a park. Well, we failed. And so ironically, you know, Tony Hawk, here he goes again, the foundation stepped up. They donated the first $10,000. The city of Arlington matched it. And in Arlington, Texas, off of Randall Mill and Fielder, you'll see Cody Rocamontes Memorial Skate Park. And uh, if you read the little, the little pillar there, you'll see a picture of him, the story, and then there's a little picture of, like, me and all my friends there that um, really got the help built together. But, you know, not only were we able to accomplish that, there are two more public skate parks in Arlington, Texas, the largest one being Vandegrift. And in Vandegrift, this is where the story gets interesting. In 2017, the skate park we built and designed, you know, my love, like my second home, I broke my ankle there. Boom. Life changes again. I lost my job, I lost my car, oh, no. lost my apartment. Um, of course, I didn't have any insurance, anything like that. And I was just defeated, man. That was actually probably the worst season of my life. You know, I was living in terrible conditions, broken ankle, no running water, uh, just trying to make it happen. You know, I'm so thankful to my brother, Seth, man. Mm -hmm. He really, like, stepped up and, like, took care of me. I'm like, I love that guy to death. But, um, you know, what I had to learn, because I'd always made money physically, whether I was working at a restaurant, usually managing, or, uh, you know, whatever the job may be, is uh, how do I make money if I can't physically use my body? And so um, shortly after that, 
uh, once I was able to walk again, you know, I threw an event because I had this idea. I got into the finance industry. So, um, there's so many interesting stories. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm loving this. As a matter of fact, before you go any further, we get to the finance yeah. industry. Um, so I want to get this straight. So you reached out to the Tony Hawk Foundation. So the Tony Hawk Foundation actually helped create a, a skate park in Arlington. That is impressive. Absolutely. They are phenomenal. The skateboarding community is phenomenal. It's just uh, it's challenging to create a living in it. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. And, and the thing I find so interesting, there's so many people who skate. And it's kind of like it's, a, it's its own bubble. It's its own community. And it's not only you know, across the country and, and DFW in particular, but it's, it's global. Like I said, Tony Hawk is a legend. He's bigger than the sport. And there are so many people. It's, it's kind of like saying, okay, I'm a gamer. And then you find out, oh, wait a minute, you play Fortnite? Oh, I play. And you just go through the, I play Madden. Or, you know, you go on and on and on and you find out, wait a minute, there's a lot of people who relate and communicate on that particular level. So let's go back to the financial part about it because you said all of a sudden you you got a financial education. Yeah, so um, I threw an event. Uh, it was uh, my first company. It was you know we threw an event, and the idea was to bring financial literacy into skateboarding. Uh, my now business partner and mentor came up to me, Arnold, and he was like, "Man, this is such a cool event." It was actually at a Lion Skate Park. They're doing a cool event. I think it's called Mondays Don't Suck, but. Um, you know, he was like, do you have a financial planner? I was like, no. I was like, what's that? That sounds cool. And so um, he invites me to the office to meet his financial planner. And uh, when I walk in, it's this gentleman who's also my mentor and other business partner, Conrad. And I was like, Conrad? I know Conrad. I met Conrad many years before. Uh, I used to work at this place called Cowboys Customs in Arlington. Um, and he walked in there to get his car fixed. And so he was sharing with me what he does. We exchanged numbers, and I never really thought twice about it. And so we ran into each other a few years later, and um, he did what we call a wealth checkup. And uh, he was able to show me my finance in a way that was fun, easy to understand, and it just made so much sense to me. By the time the meeting ended, I was so thankful. I was like, man, here, I have like, I think I have like 60 bucks take. He was like, no, 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 don't take it. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? You just helped me out so much. You don't want money? And he was like, nope, I'm good. Just keep this. This is for you. This is for you to understand. And I was like, that's wild. Well, how do you make money? And he was like, I mean, I help people. I'm a business consultant. I build companies and I help uh, businesses and families with their personal and business finance. And I was like, hmm, interesting. I want to do that. He was like, do it. I was like, for real? He was like, yeah. So I literally quit my job a week later at the call center. And um, I just literally started following him. And this was in 2017. Uh, I had no money, no experience. I just knew he was really smart. Um, he had a, I mean, his demeanor is just, he's just the next level leader. He mm-hmm. is, he is, man, the epitome of top tier entrepreneur. But, you know, so 2017, we get into business consulting. He introduces me to, uh, you know, our practice company. And then from there, he basically asked me, like, Dean, do you trust me? I said, yes. I'm only three months in. You know, I'm building big. I'm winning awards. We're helping families. Uh, he introduces me to a gentleman by Christian Collada. Now, Christian is the co-founder of our current platform, and this is a very strong platform that we uh, founded in 2018. You know, we have a national team at this point. So, uh, you know, Christian, Arnold, Conrad, these have been the mentors in my life that have helped guide me um, 
even through the worst seasons of my life. I mean, I've been through so much homelessness, no money, uh, just no vehicle. Every one of those things, like I've lived there for like the past like four to five years, all while building as an entrepreneur. And so the wildest thing is like, it's the craziest feeling in the world to call yourself an entrepreneur, yet you're struggling financially. Am I a young professional? Yes. Did I need more guidance? Yes. Should I follow this system? Yes. But I didn't. I'm kind of arrogant. I like doing things my own way. I've given Conrad. I've <laughs> Believe given it or not, Conrad some of the most successful it. people in the world do things their own way, and they're successful because they think outside the box. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, I've literally given Conrad hell. You know, so I don't know if I can say that or not, but um, you did. It's okay. <laughs> He stuck by me this whole time, and he's still there for me. And I was actually talking to him this morning. And so um, what we've been able to build is very powerful. You know, we've been able to generate six-figure earners, some a little bit more. And um, it's just really, really powerful. So how does Skate Wealthy start? I knew that one day eventually, because I've been skateboarding for over 12 years now, or about 12 years, I was sponsored for four years. Some of my friends are the best of the best in the world, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, skateboarding is huge. It's actually, a, if I remember correctly, don't quote me, but the fifth most participated sport in the world, only behind football, baseball, basketball, and soccer, uh, not necessarily in that order. And um, you would think that someone would have had the idea because of how dangerous it is to uh, help skateboarders make money or, like, you know, help them with insurance. So you would think there would be insurance for skateboarders. There's just not. You know what? You just struck a nerve with me. You're right. It's a very dangerous sport. That's why it's so impressive when skateboarders do the different acts or stunts or the the moves that they do, and people do get hurt. Can you talk about the various injuries that the guys sustain? You said you broke your ankle. Uh, People know about Dak Prescott with the Dallas Cowboys breaking his ankle. That's like a common occurrence in the skateboard world, right? It happens all the time. You know, my best friend, Jordy, you know, he's a phenomenal entrepreneur as well. Uh, He's broken, I believe, both arms, both legs, like, or both ankles, like, twice. (laughs) He's chilling now. Now he likes to play golf. (laughs) You know, he still skates. He always says he'll beat me in a game of skate. I really doubt it. If you hear this, Jordy, we can run it for $100. (laughs) So you you realize, so to get back to the injuries, you realize, wait a minute. All these different get, skaters are getting hurt all the time. You've actually lived it, and there's not any real insurance. This is not like the NFL, NBA, or Major League Baseball where, oh, we've got you know these things. We've got to get you back out there, and we've got insurance, and we've got programs, we've got trainers. You guys, because like you said, it's, it's like you're on your own. It's almost like you're golfers. You're, you're on your own. And you have to yep. come up with these things. And you have to rehab alone. Can you talk about that process and then how you decide to put one and one together and come up with two? I mean, so for me, it's like it's just the occurrence of tragedies that happened to me twice, which I said this has to stop. Like the common theme, which really ruined my life was insurance, whether it was my mom dying or me breaking my ankle and it was a $10,000 hospital bill I couldn't afford. So I opted out to not. Uh, get surgery, and I literally just prayed to God that my ankle would heal and align perfectly. Like, I really wished for it. I really prayed, and it happened, and so I'm very thankful. And so, you know, I can still feel it a little bit, but there's virtually no pain. I can run. I can squat. I can jump. I'm just extremely grateful. But, you know, what's interesting about skateboarding is that 
skateboarders are actually primed to be top entrepreneurs because of the it's just the way it's structured. And skateboarding, it takes years of discipline, failure, 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 eventually mm-hmm. land. And you're like, wow, that felt good. So if we're using sales as an analogy, you're getting rejected, rejected, rejected. You close the deal. Wow, that felt great. What did I do right? What did I do wrong? And then you go out and try it again. You learn consistency. You learn dedication. You learn hard work. And more than anything, you have to persevere to get your personal goal. These are all traits that any human on this planet, if they align with, will help them progress in life. And so that's really, really powerful. So if we're able to transfer this mentality of the same discipline and consistency it takes to become a great skateboarder and to entrepreneurship, that is really powerful. And that's the core of our program, being able to stretch people's mind, expand their vision, and allow them opportunities to change their life. You know, the programs that we offer are 100% complimentary. It doesn't cost skaters money to get a wealth checkup. Our financial professionals have over 10 years in the industry, and they are absolutely the best of the best. That's just one half of it. The part where it gets better is that we are able to help skate. Like, our goal at Skate Wealthy right now is to distribute $1 billion in government grant money to the business owners and skateboarding. I have a contract with the number one company in the United States that's helped 13,000 companies in the last year and distribute about $1.5 billion of government tax fee grant money. Wow. That is huge. Does it cost me or a skateboarder money to also join me on this mission? No, it doesn't. On average, we're finding 100000 to $10 million for business owners in the form of a grant. So where this gets even more unique is that although I personally focus on the skateboarding market, I have a team of professionals. We have musicians. We have financial professionals. We have uh, soon a doctor that are all participating in this program because there's 6 million companies in the United States that qualify, whether they know it or not, and we can help all of them. And so instead of competing against other skateboarding companies and creating more competition, I said, why not support entrepreneurship, be able to put money back into the industry and create more companies together? And so essentially, we're just a government aid financial service group. And uh, our goal is to empower the average skateboarder into infinite possibilities. So to wrap that up simply, all we do is provide the tools and resources skateboarders need to become financially independent. I have very stable and very serious platforms supporting this. It's just about a matter of spreading the mission, which is why I'm so grateful and thankful to talk to you because we can help skateboarders in all 50 states. This is amazing. This is mind-blowing the way you broke this down. It's about knowing where the grants are and then giving the, the skateboarders who have that startup mindset. They have that that entrepreneurial mindset anyway. In other words, they're not afraid of failure because they never quit. It's very simple. And yes, we are either giving away money or we're protecting your money and your assets. A lot of skateboarders and people in general do not understand how a trust works, how a will works, how a life insurance works. For $20 a month, I can help someone right now, let's say they're 18 years old, 
I'm pretty sure if they have a job, they can afford twenty dollars. That will make them worth, let's say, two to four hundred thousand dollars. If they're a skateboarder, I would consider you are now skating wealthy. And so, if you do like, like these concepts are so simple, and we understand them so well. But the goal is to help skateboarders understand because skateboarding is the most severely neglected, in my opinion, market in the sports world. I know so many professional skaters that end up burned out, crashed out, drugs, alcohol, prostitutes, you name it. You hear the stories all the time. The skate shops are struggling. What we're able to do is not only help our friends and family receive a tax-free grant, even if you just want to work on your personal finance, we're able to help that too, but we have the best of the best supporting us. And so this is very unique. We are the first of our kind, but we're here to stick around because honestly, you know, life's going to happen to me and the good Lord's going to call me home before I stop helping friends and family. Skateboarding has given me my life, but it's also taken everything from me. And so um, I'm just, I'm very dead set on, you know, helping as many people as possible. I can tell. We're talking to Dean Bonio. He's the CEO of Skate Wealthy, and Skate Wealthy is an organization that's taking care of a lot of different skateboarders, but more importantly, a lot of young people who need an opportunity to be entrepreneurial, but more importantly, to take care of their finances so they don't become burdens to not only their family, but to their communities. So in the skateboard community, the skateboard world, the skateboarders out there, how do you guys yeah. interact? I'm going to simplify this thing. I know you guys text each other. I know you guys meet up at the skate parks. And I know it's always weather-related. But, I mean, it's it's almost like I want to try to vi- paint a picture for all of our listeners here. It's kind of like if you're a, a, a minor league or little league baseball player or, or parents who have kids that play yeah. baseball or pick up basketball, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the gyms and, and or even, uh, you know, youth football. It's the same kind of – Group is is the same kind of camaraderie. Am I wrong? Please kind of paint some pictures for a typical day in the life of a skateboarder or a a bunch of guys who skate. Uh, So your analogy to like, let's say, parents sitting down on a soccer field to watch their children. There you go. Because uh, what the common denominator is, is the soccer ball. And everyone is there to support that. So whether you're an athlete or you're a parent or even if you're a coach, the soccer ball and the sport is what brings people together. The skateboard itself is what brings the community together. But the skateboarding community is very tight niched and um, it's it's very strong, but it's very closed off. You know, skateboarding was in the Olympics last year for the first time. It was supposed to happen in 2020, uh, but COVID happened, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, this is crazy. But the entire U.S. Olympic team just actually quit. And the reason is, from my personal opinion, I might be wrong, I think there's too much corporate stuff going on, and skateboarders do not do well with corporate, you know? There's ah. companies like skateboarders support skateboarders, but you have to be a pure skater. It doesn't matter if you're good or bad. That's not the point, but it's the love of the sport. We all love skateboarding with our whole heart. So if you are a non-skateboarder, for example, and you come in and you want to watch a company, and, I mean, there's been a lot of big – Nike is one of the people that jumped into the game, and now Nike skateboarding is huge. And it's generally accepted, but it's extremely hard to be accepted in the community if you're not a pure skateboarder. And so the reason why it's so important that I share this message is because there are, 
there are a lot of people who know me in skateboarding. I have a very large network, and I'm proud of that. And these are literally some of my best friends in life, my brothers, my sisters. And we've had so many adventures. We've traveled. We've partied. We've been in the hospital crying because we broke stuff. We've been through everything together. What can I do next, you know? If no one is going to help them, I'm going to help them. So I've taken four years to develop personally, practicing, practicing, building, learning how to present this information in a way that is fun, simple to digest, and that will be very impactful. And uh, we got started less than two months ago, and here we are. You know, we have a team of over 20 people with us as well. So we're just getting started, but we're ready to take off. This is this is an incredible story. And you, you mentioned the mindset of the, 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 summer Olymp- the Summer Olympic team, the skateboarders, all just quit. Your mentali- I mean, yeah. The mentality almost seems like, like the U.S. skiers, the, you know, the downhill skiers. Skiers and skateboarders seem to be like-minded to me. I'm not saying that the U.S. Olympic ski team quit because they didn't, but I'm just talking about the mentality of you got, you got a, just a different mindset than a lot of people, and it's kind of close-knit like, like skiers. You know, skiers have their village. You guys have a park. I mean, I, I can go on and on and on. The challenge of the mountain, the challenge of the rink. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, the most important thing, we're about to kick off our marketing campaign. This isn't about selling because it literally doesn't cost people money to participate. And, like, our main mission is to give away this grant. But uh, it's the financial literacy. Yes. We can help people with things like rollovers, annuities, 403Bs. We actually have a phenomenal program. We're one of the last vendors in the state of Texas. It's called the Education Retirement Program that has access to every school district in the state of Texas, and we can help teachers with their retirement planning, things like 403Bs, et cetera. And so, you know, sometimes when our professionals sit down with these teachers and you know, we show them in reality what they're going to be receiving versus what they're expecting. They leave in tears because no one told them or no one yeah, tried they had no idea. enough. They had no idea. So that is an extremely powerful program. And with skateboards participate with us in that, we generate leads for them. All they have to do is go through the training and help clients. And so there are so many avenues that we can help people, but before we help them, we have to educate them. And so that's why, you know, we're, we're kicking off our podcast. And uh, I really got to give a shout out to Cody Harvey here. Cody Harvey is the CEO of Breakout and co-founder of Connected. Um, Breakout's going to be the audio app of the future. It is a phenomenal app. Uh, they are building it to where you can monetize for creating content. And um, we're launching our podcast exclusively on Breakout. You know, there's other major stars in there like Brad Lee, Cindy Stumpo, and I can name a couple of others. But, um, you know, Cody's got something phenomenal going on. And next month, according to plans, if, um, if things don't change, but I need to get an update, we're going to be having an event um, on the 5th. We're looking for 20 entrepreneurs for breakfast, 20 entrepreneurs for lunch to share more about Breakout and uh, all of the different benefits and how it can benefit you as an entrepreneur. And uh, one of the people that will actually be there as well is Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. Ah, uh, yes, Kevin O'Leary. Everybody's familiar with him and Mark Cuban and, and all yeah. the sharks at Shark Tank. Yep, and so, I mean, uh, Connected, which is uh, Cody's the co-founder. That's the third fastest growing company in Indiana. It's the Inc. 5000 company. 
I've had the privilege to, uh, the privilege to learn from him. Uh, he's taken time to talk to me, and he takes time to talk to everyone that joins the platform. You know, there's other competing platforms out there, but there's not one like Breakout just because of the heart of the owners, and the owners are transparent and they're they're accessible, which is amazing for an app like this. But um, if you are a serious entrepreneur and you would like to be invited to this event, uh, go to Skate Wealthy Instagram, exactly how it sounds, and DM me Breakout. But uh, for all of the information I've shared, I know I've shared a lot, but if you simply just go to Skate Wealthy's Instagram, you'll find all the information I just shared. And if you're a business owner, if you have five or more W-2 employees, I would highly encourage you to uh, apply for the grant. It does not cost you money to apply. And worst case scenario, um, you're in the same situation without a grant. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It can get no worse. And the, the thing I love about what you're doing, um, Dean, is the fact that you're helping people help themselves because financial literacy makes you no longer a burden to your family, your community. You can help yourself, which means that you're not a burden on, any, on society. That's the bottom line. And there's so many people in the world of skateboarding. I love the fact that you're using all the technology at your at your at your fingertips that you're reaching the people in the world that they're in it's, in other words you're not sending out a newsletter skateboarders are not on newsletters you're reaching them where they are and i love the fact that that's that's what you're doing you're in people's information bubbles absolutely and uh, i mean that's just what it is you know you have to meet people where they're at yes or they will never know exactly you know like Right, in, right now, I'm standing outside of Starbucks next to a tree because uh, the devil tried me, and my service cut off two minutes before it's supposed to get started. I, I knew like, you no. were outside because I heard a, a siren in the background. Just to be totally transparent, I love the yeah. interview because I'm like, okay, he's outside. That's what skateboarders do. They're outside. Oh, yeah, I love being. I'm outside walking and talking, man. When the brain, when the body moves, the brain grieves. You know. <laughs> Very nice. So, is there anything else you want to share with with our listeners? about the the skate wealthy because i think what you're doing is a phenomenal program and it's helping so many people and i can't say it enough i think i think the key to everything is financial literacy i think that's the that's the one part of education that's not being heightened or addressed you know in all our school systems and i think what you're doing is a phenomenal job reaching the skateboarders at least that particular part of our society where they need it most, especially with their health possibility benefits and the whole nine yards. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I I love what you guys are doing. And so is there any other thing you want to call from mom? Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
you want to close with and, and let people know where they can reach out and uh, where you might be as, as far as some of these skate parks locally in, in the next couple of weeks? Uh, yes, we will be having a, a, an official launch at Vandergrift Skate Park in Arlington. We're still working on the details for that, and that'll be posted to Skate Wealthy. But um, what's really important for people to know is, uh, and this is just something, because I want to highlight someone really special in my life, who sure. shared my life recently. I was uh, in the field working on my skateboard, going business to business, proving this concept works. And I ran to this guy working on the field, just looking like a thief. I mean, he's shredded, and he's like a, lot, oh, a little bit older than me, to be modest. And so uh, I'm walking right by him, and the pop occurred in my head. And I was like, hmm, you know what? This guy's fit. He's definitely, you know, a little bit older than me. He might be an entrepreneur. Let me open my mouth. And so I turned around. I was like, you're a champion. I love the fact that you're motivated and you're keeping your body fit. Uh, really quickly, I'm the CEO of Spain Wealthy. I'd like to share with you what we do. And so I pitch him, and he says, what's the next step? Uh, this gentleman is Mark Brewer the owner over at Oaks Church in Red Oak. Uh, he's now a mentor and a friend. Wow. And two weeks ago, I rededicated my life to God uh, in front of the entire congregation. So uh, for me, faith is the most important thing. And a lot of the financial professionals we're with and a lot of people we're interacting with do believe in faith. Now, I have all pe- I have all sorts of people that are with are in our program, and not everyone subscribes to that. But, you know, whether you believe and God or not, whether you have faith or not, is not necessarily important to me. What's important to me is upholding this principle of treating your neighbor the way you want to be treated. And because I live off of these morals and principles, it is very easy for me to talk to anyone, regardless of your age, your sex, your background, uh, anything. And um, it's really, really powerful. So like for me, um, thank you so much, Mark Brewer, for paying for me every single day. And um, I'm just, uh, I'm excited to do the right thing uh, with the right people. Dean, it's been a pleasure having you on. We will check back in with you again because Skate Wealthy is going places. And I love the fact that you're taking care of a lot of skateboarders and a lot of people, a lot of people under the age of 30 with financial literacy, but even anybody of any age who needs a little help and knowing that those grants are there to be taken advantage of. Thank you so much, Dean. Absolutely. And one last thing. Um, we do have donations available. Our services are complimentary. Um, we're on PayPal. If you would like to donate to support the cause, um, you can read the information on our Instagram, but you can uh, PayPal State Wealthy, and um, we would really appreciate that. And joining us now is Miss Danetta Bailey. Danita Bailey, how you doing? Danita Bailey is the CEO and founder of Noggin Educational Foundation, and I like the name Noggin because it's like use your noggin, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about what you do. You guys are are trying to help underserved community kids uh, achieve and reach their financial literacy and their education. Can you talk about how you conceived Noggin Educational Foundation? So it's an interesting story. I actually got a radio television degree mm-hmm. from the University of Houston. And so I was far from education. I had a video production company and I was happily doing that. Meanwhile, my husband started teaching and his first teaching assignment was in a very under-resourced area and a very under-resourced school. And we always tell the one ream of paper story. 
And basically, he was given one ream of paper to teach 125 students eighth grade math for the entire semester, not the six weeks, the semester. And then his second teaching assignment was in a very affluent area in town, the polar opposite situation. Um, Parents were super involved. Um, Students were very motivated. And uh, he had a classroom budget of, um, I think he said $1,500, just of his own, that he didn't even get the opportunity to spend because uh, the Office Depot truck pulled up to the school every week and filled them up with everything that they needed. Talk about the haves and the have-nots. It was exactly that. And so I'm watching this situation over the years. And um, it really just started to get to me. And, um, you know, I didn't know anything about starting a nonprofit. I really do believe God just tapped me on the shoulder and opened my eyes and said, do you see this? And you see this and you can and you should do something about it. So that really motivated me to um, be able to provide the out-of-school help that actually we had been helping um, our more affluent parents with. So David, my husband, and I had started a for-profit tutoring company, and it was just to make ends meet. I had a small video production company, and he's a teacher, so we weren't bringing in a lot of income, but in college, he tutored. And so I was like, you know, let's start a little tutoring company. And so obviously, the the clients that we had were parents who could afford to invest in their kids' education. But occasionally, we had parents that would reach out to us that we knew couldn't afford our services, and we really couldn't afford to give it away for free. And so that was kind of the catalyst for me starting the nonprofit. Danita, I like the fact that the website says, at Noggin, we believe that all students, in caps, all students deserve a shot at a bright future. Break down that philosophy and the fact that you're you're looking at it that way. Yeah, it really just comes from uh, my experience or my really my husband's experience with his students. Um, you know, we had the, the tutoring company that I mentioned, mm-hmm. and we were working with parents who could really afford to invest in their kids' education. They had expendable income. And my heart really went out to the students that he served during his first stu- teaching assignment. And, you know, We know that low-income students sometimes are three, even four years behind their peers in math and reading, and they don't have the same kind of opportunity. Um, Summer is when a lot of the achievement gap um, widens Mm -hmm. because many students don't have the opportunities that maybe my kids, your kids have um, to advance during the summer. All students really experience summer learning loss. But low-income students in the summertime don't have um, the opportunity to do camps and enrichment and tutoring and things like that. And one of the things that I realized from just observing my husband over the years with these two groups of kids is that there's not really much difference in the students that he worked with. Mm -hmm. Um, Each kid has purpose. Each kid has talent. Each kid could have a bright future, but there was a vast difference in the resources that were afforded to them. And so that's really where that came from. We really believe because everybody has um, the opportunity or should have the opportunity to um, excel and to exceed. 
Um, and that's why we believe that all students really um, deserve a shot at a bright future. So when you first started, let's talk about the challenges you had. What was the greater challenge, um, the fundraising part of it or the fact that you tried to reach the kids who weren't getting the, the, the better education or being able to uh, have the opportunity to learn at the same level as some of the uh, more affordable edu- educated kids. Can you talk about those challenges when you first sure. started? Um, yeah, I mean, the fundraising for sure was the the biggest challenge that uh, we had to overcome. Um, you know, w- we had a for-profit business, and actually at that point we had had two for-profit businesses, and we knew nothing about the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. And I always said, even though I was a business owner, I hated sales. I hated to have, you know, I, I never wanted to do Mary Kay or any of those, um, those other things. Cause I didn't ever want to ask people for money, even though that's kind of a better situation when you're giving them something for their money. <laughs> right. I know so what you're really, saying. No one likes yeah. that. You put, put like, you have to have a certain com- comfort level to be, uh-huh asking or trying to sell it, so to speak. Not everybody's a salesperson. Sure. Yeah. And I definitely would not have put myself in that category. And so when I was tapped on the shoulder uh, to do this, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to figure out how to get over my fear of the ask. And um, that first summer we had decided, or, you know, really it was like in the the spring, we had decided we were going to start with our summer math and reading program that's called SPARK. It stands for Summers Producing Academically Ready Kids um, because we realized that so much of the um, the achievement gap is impacted by what happens in the summertime. We decided to start with that, and we needed to raise $10,000, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might as well have been a million. <laughs> but uh, I spoke to a friend of mine who has been fundraising for a while, and she was like, you know, you're going to, at this point, at this stage in um, in your nonprofit, really you need to focus on people who care about you, who trust you, who know you, and you need to ask them for money. You're not trying to go to <laughs> Target and Walmarts and sure, places like the that major and ask corporations, for money at this yeah. point. No, you're going to try to go to people who know you, know you and your husband, and are willing to invest in what you do. And, so and know your it. heart just, and know your skill set. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and trust us with their money because they're, they're not getting anything from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are really just, uh, you know, entrusting us to do good with their money. So that's what we did. We just made a list of um, as many people as we could think of um, and got on the phone, told them what we're doing, and asked them. And, you know, we, we had to really just get over ourselves. I'm, so my husband, you know, he has the gift of gab. <laughs> he, he has no shyness in him. So it was much easier for him to pick up the phone and call people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was not so easy for me. But I just had to remind myself, you know, I'm not trying to line my pockets with, the, with, um, with this. This is what I was doing for um, the betterment of our society at the end of the day, and definitely for the kids. And so uh, we ended up raising $12,000 for the summer of that year. And uh, gosh, we learned so many lessons that, you know, I still use today. Um, But that was our our biggest challenge. And then um, also just trying to make the connections to work with the students because we weren't a well-known organization. Um, Nobody knew who we were. 
And so we had to just hit the streets. And uh, originally, we decided that we would um, target low-income apartment complexes. Mm-hmm. Um, some of your mis- listeners not, may not know, but these apartment complexes oftentimes provide um, lunch and breakfast and a little bit of homework help to students at their clubhouses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, many of these students are food insecure, Right. And so mm-hmm. they depend on the school to, to right. help them eat and, and things like that. And so these low income apartment complexes usually hire one woman to come in after school and um, feed the kids and help them with homework. And in the summertime, they come in in the morning, eat breakfast, play video games and then um, uh, eat lunch and then go back home. And so that was kind of the low hanging fruit for us because we didn't want to have to find a place you know, rent a place to do it. And then we didn't want to have to advertise to find kids. They already have kids coming to them. So we basically adopted their kids for the summer um, and worked with them. How many Um, apartment complexes did you start out with? We started off with three apartment complexes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we did 150 kids that first summer. Wow, that's impressive. That's that's yeah, a that's a yeah. lot of kids, and I'm I'm trying to wrap my mind around all this. I mean, what you're doing is amazing work, but I'm trying to like paint pictures in my mind. So you're out there in the summertime, going to different apartment complexes. You're 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 working with the kids who are in these clubhouses who are there, you know, primarily because, like you said, they don't get uh, three square meals a day, and and you're actually helping educate them. So you're not necessarily a school. The Noggin Educational Foundation isn't some school where people drop their kids off, or am I wrong on that at this point? No, we are not. So we have a location in Grand Prairie here in North Texas, and Mm -hmm. we really just office out of there. But what we do is we go out to different organizations, and uh, we provide, we add value to programs that are already existing that may not have an academic component to it. I see. There you go. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, there's programs for kids anyway, and you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. but there's not an educational piece. And so you guys provide that part to some of the programs that they're doing, the after-school programs, the after-care, the gaming, or whatever they're doing with the kids. Exactly. Exactly. Especially in the summertime, it ends up being a lot of babysitting, right? We're trying to keep the kids off the streets. They. They're trying to keep the kids off the streets and uh, just keep them occupied because their parents are at work. But while they're there, let's give them an hour of math and reading. Mm-hmm. And um, the the interesting, there were so many challenges that first summer that were super eye-opening. Um, the first challenge is um, that with this type of program, you don't have a parent coming and dropping them off somewhere, right? Right. This, when you're in these apartment complexes, we are um, competing with, your Wii's and your switches and your basketball um, courts that are there, the pool, mm-hmm. all of this in the apartment complex, the TV that could make them not want to come to this. Right. And so what we decided to do was incentivize the kids to come and they received um, uh, points for attendance points for coming. And so if you attended, we gave away five, or we did a, a, a drawing for five $5 gift cards to area restaurants. Oh, very like, nice. You know, Whataburgers and places that mm-hmm. they can walk to. So if you came, there was a chance that you would get a $5 gift card. And then cumulatively over the summer, um, the kid who had the most attendance points won an Xbox. Oh, very so nice. There you, you go. Yes. Yeah. I love the way you're thinking so, because you got to incentivize 
certain programs and you're talking about education, it's like, okay, how can I slide some knowledge in on kids who really need this? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then one of the other challenges that was was really unexpected for us was that at one of the apartment complexes, half of our students were evicted halfway through. Oh, no. And we got new students. So this is a six-week program. It's 18 hours. We actually meet three days a week for an hour. And that was something we had not anticipated. But with this demographic, and especially in apartments, there's a lot of moving around. Yeah. You know, they're always looking for... Life happens, you get evicted, or they're looking for, you know, your lease is up and you're looking for a cheaper place. Mm -hmm. And so we saw a lot of kids over the summer, but not necessarily always the same kids. So that that is definitely a challenge because we want them to get all 18 hours of um of our curriculum was there <laughs> any was there any home. opportunities for follow up because i know it's hard especially with that demographic and who knows where they might be moving sure yeah no and in those early days we we didn't know what we didn't know and right. you know right now we're we're working on the building relationships with um the students beyond the summer and we work with kids year round. We also do, you know, free tutoring and but the summertime kids, those are the most elusive for us because they're not really our kids. They're adopted kids. So following them into their school districts to see how effective the program was um is more difficult because we really don't have the the authorization to do that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. we have people that are working on um, on doing that. And, and the great thing now is we actually have um, a great partnership with uh, First Presbyterian Downtown Dallas. And so we've been working with them. I think this is our fifth year that we've been providing our summer program to them. And so now we're doing some things. We're trying to build some things in place so that we can follow them because they actually keep their students throughout the school year. Okay. Uh, so they're, they're not just a summer program. They work with them year round. So, you know, there's so many lessons learned. We're only seven years old and we're just, you know, trying to do everything that we can to be effective and to um, to stick with our students as long as possible. But, you know, sometimes, uh, unfortunately, with this demographic, we do. We lose people because mm-hmm. they just kind of disappear into the wind. But we're working on it. But, you know, you're doing this from your heart. And that's the most important thing. Um and and this is what is so important. You, you actually feel gratification. I always say to a lot of people, you know, educators are up there with first responders to me because it's not like you're paid a lot of money to do this. You're doing this because you <laughs> love to do it. You you get some gratification about helping kids especially educate themselves and make themselves better as they get older. And so I know that's a lot of what you're doing. It's like from your heart. And that's probably why some of those situations where you could quit, you just don't. <laughs> yeah. A nonprofit is especially building one from scratch is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it truly has been the joy of my life. I yeah. wake up every day with purpose. I really do. I'm getting chilled and trying to choke back tears because I really feel so blessed to be able to do this. I really am able to impact people who need the help, the, the most sure. help by my daily job. I don't have a side gig. There's nothing else that I do. This is what I get to do. And um, it really is a blessing. It is a blessing. And again, cause you're changing lives, you know, one at a time. And 
I'm just I just want to know when when you're able to find out, you know, you've changed some lives or you've helped some kids out over the last seven years or so. Have you gotten some feedback? I mean, as far as running into somebody that you helped a few years ago or or some of the parents or I mean, I know in different ways you get feedback, but tell us a story or two. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, we ask for feedback all the time. So <laughs> we ask for, you know, our, our summers, I mean, our tutoring sessions are generally 12 sessions. So halfway through, we ask them to tell us how things are going. Um, one of the things we um, have started implementing in the last couple of years is wrapping around the families. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, we were just kind of throwing services at people. Like, like I said, we didn't know what we didn't know. But what we have um, come to understand more clearly is that there are so many things that impact our families that have nothing to do with education, right? Right. Um, the, uh, illnesses and mental health and finances and um, just, just so many things. And so we've really made a concerted effort over the last two or three years to um, work with our families and build relationships with them and not just you know, here's a service, here's a service, and and that sort of thing. So we're hearing much more stories than we have in the past. Um, So one of the programs we have is our um, special education advocacy program. And this program was born out of um, a need that David, my husband, and I actually had. We have one son that has autism and another one that has... um, that struggled with anxiety and depression, and both of them had um, services and accommodations at school to try to help them with those issues that mm-hmm. were impacting their academics. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's a, a meeting called an ARD um, at school, and parents that are your listeners that are listening that have kids in sped or have learning disabilities know these meetings all too well, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but. It's a it's a team of people made up of uh, the vice principal, the students, teachers, the special education teachers, the diagnostician, and maybe a couple other people. So you go into this room full of people who um, talk to you in terms that you don't understand, <laughs> and um, then. The goal of the meeting is to come up with what's called an IEP, an Individualized Education Plan, right? Mm-hmm. And basically, this is all of the things that we've decided we're going to do to help the student um, to succeed and to overcome any kind of special need or learning dis- disability that they have, right? right. Um, but a lot of times, parents go into that me- those meetings with nothing to bring to the table uh, without knowing what their rights are um, and just can be it can be super overwhelming and that was the the point that we found ourselves in is that we didn't know and were not prepared for these meetings the great thing though is that we are connected uh we have a lot of friends that are educators um some that are um, special education teachers as well and so we asked a lot of questions and we eventually started coming to these meetings well prepared right right um but David and I realized, we're like, okay, we're in education. (laughs) Both of us are in education, Mm -hmm. yet these meetings are still hard. I still go to to meetings sometimes um, years later after, you know, that we've been in the special education program and still don't understand what they're talking about after they've explained it to me three times. So long story short, we really just stepped back and said, how much more are our parents struggling in these meetings? 
And if you have a child that is low income, you can be two and three grades behind where you're supposed to be. You add a special need like autism or dyslexia, dysgraphia, um, any, any of these things to that, it's really an insurmountable thing to achieve academically. So we started this program. I'm really taking forever to answer that question. <laughs> no, this <laughs> is good to, information, uh, though, because a lot of people are relating <laughs> to you because they've been in these situations, whether it's their own kids or themselves or their parents or someone that they know. So, yeah, you, so you yeah. came up with a program. Yes. Yeah, so we came up with that program. And um, I recently was out and about and ran into a lady who said, uh, you're a doctor. And I was like, yes. And she said, oh, my goodness, my husband met you and he found about found out about your art advocacy program. And the day before I was up crying about my son because we had an upcoming art and I didn't know what to do. Her son has Down syndrome, and she wanted her son to be in a general population program um, classroom. So with special needs students, sometimes you are in a special needs classroom with other students that have special needs. And then some students are able to be in, uh, quote, regular classrooms with um, typical students, right? Mm-hmm. So she wanted to make sure her son was in a typical classroom. And um, there, there were some other things. But so we came to her right in the nick of time, and she threw her arms around me and started crying and said, thank you so much, because I just really felt alone. And then once I started working with your art advocate, I felt supported. I felt like um, somebody was going to bat for me, and they got what they needed. Um, We really hold our parents' hands we connect them with a professional. We call an art advocate. They not only go through all of the paperwork that they already have. So if there's a diagnosis, they look through all the diagnostic information. Um, they listen to their story and say, you know, I think my son may have something, but mm-hmm. I don't know. And we need the school to um, to do an assessment. And so they do all that pre-meeting um, stuff. And then uh, they attend that art and they really help advocate for um, for the the mom or the dad. This is so fantastic, this but this is what it's all about. Do you have something coming up soon that you want people to know about with Nagan Educational Foundation? Yeah, um, events or, well, I mean, sure. we just finished North Texas Giving Day uh, yes. yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I'm on, I'm on a little bit of a North Texas Giving Day high. Um, so we actually raised, um, $25,400. Oh, congratulations. Is, um, a new record for us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, this is the point of the year after North Texas Giving Day, we really kind of wind down and start to focus on end of the year giving. Um, Giving Tuesday is a fundraiser that we participate in. And so, uh, we will be participating in that. That's, uh, November, the week after Thanksgiving. And so Giving Tuesday is really, it's a, um, a global, um, event and it focuses both on giving and on volunteerism. So we'll be doing something for Giving Tuesday and we're just really looking to end the year strong. We had, um, a goal. Uh, for the to reach by the end of the year and we are well on our way to getting there and so we just um, need support from people to um, to get there Um, one of the things that we are that's really top of mind and and on the top of our list is we have two board member seats that we're trying to fill okay we have um, our marketing seat 
um, the, the person that will be over the marketing committee. So um, if anybody out there has PR, marketing, advertising experience, our goal is to expand our reach, which, you know, we're doing with this show right now. It's, it's incredible. But we want to become a household name. And that will do that will allow us to serve many, many more students. But we really need somebody that has um, the strategic skills to be able to get our information out there, both to parents and to people who are interested in, in involving and investing in it and being involved in investing in us. Um, and then the other seat on the board that we're looking to fill is our um, um advisory council seat. So that's the person that will be over our advisory council. So that person, we're really just looking for somebody who's connected, who's a people person, who's great at um, managing a program and building uh, relationships with people. So, Oh, I'm telling you, the opportunities are there. I'm so glad you guys are doing well at this time. And of course, you're continuing to grow. We're talking with uh, Danita Bailey of Noggin Education, uh, Educational Foundation. Can you tell everybody about the website a little bit? you got a beautiful website. And can you tell them again how they can reach out to you, whether they want to volunteer or partner with you again? Because I think it's such a great opportunity. Thanks. Um, Our website, our main website is nogginfoundation.org. And uh, there's so many different things on there. You can learn a lot about what we do. We've got testimonials from our great students, parents, and teachers, there's information about how to volunteer with us on there and um, resources and, and uh, even some things for yourself. We've created a um, smart goals and growth mindset worksheet that um, people that, you know, we created it really for students to use, but I find that parents really, really love this tool uh, for themselves. So there's just so many things on our website that are available. Danita, thank you again for joining us. We have to visit again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Chris. For sure. I'm Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Thank you for joining me. Tune in next week as we focus on other organizations and individuals doing great things here in Dallas for Worth, right here on Better Living. So long, everybody. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.